So I've, I've just got it before we dive into the teaching, before they start my teaching clock, just tell you just a huge thank you. Like we're a little bit taken back um, this morning by your, by your honoring in that way. Thank you so much for how you love us. Um, so this isn't even fair <laughs> because I was so, the team had something else in the schedule that I thought was going to be happening in, in, in all this, but I just want you to know how much Jen and I love you. Um, thank you for letting us love you. Thank you for um, putting up with us sometimes. Thank you for laughing at all my stupid jokes that probably aren't funny, but you laugh anyway sometimes. And, but thank you so much for loving Jesus like you do. Um, I think it's our passion together, isn't it, um, to share this gospel story with people here, there, and everywhere. And that's what this series is all about. But thank you, thank you, thank you for letting us be a part of what's happening here in this county. I love you. We love you. And so that's that. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, thank you. I think I have a, my one goal today, and you saw the little bump there at the end. It's the God who pursues. That at the end of today, many of us will be reminded that we serve a God who pursues us, who pursued us. And at that moment, there was a time when we knelt and, or stood or we just opened up our heart to him because his spirit came alive in you and his spirit came alive in me, and we stepped into a brand new life that only he could give. And so would you just look at someone right now and say, Jesus loves you? Would you do that right now? God pursued you online, wherever you are. I just want us to be reminded again, like God chased you. Some of you um, chased your spouse, didn't you? And some of us, no, I won't say that. We're chased, maybe, by, by our spouse. Um, and that, that felt great, doesn't it? But just think about a God, the creator God, um, who spoke the universe into place. He pursued you because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And I'd like to remind many of us of that. And for many of us, maybe that's a brand new thought and a brand new idea. And when we stepped into this life, the gospel life, um, we had a story to share because we were once this, but now we're this. We were lost, but now we're found, right? We were destined with an eternity without Jesus. Now we are, we are promised an eternity with him as followers of Jesus. You have a story and I have a story and God's plan for you and for me individually and for this community that we call Gateway is to share the gospel story with people here, there, and everywhere. And don't you know, that's a privilege. When you can tell somebody, there's a brand new life that you can enter into. We, when you can tell somebody, look, when you take your last breath, you can be with Jesus. That's the story we are called to share. What's the gospel story? Just listen to it out of Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, everybody say, but God, but God. 
But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. That's brand new life. By grace you have been saved. You had nothing to do with it. And raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a, a result of works so that no man can boast. No one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the gospel story. That's the good news. That's the story every follower of Jesus has to share. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and, and, and most of you are, that's our story today. He has taken us from death to life. God pursued you. God pursued me. And he continues to pursue mankind. So I like to share it this way. If you've been around Gateway for any length of time, you've heard me say this, that Jesus loved, died for the whole world. God sent his son into the world for, for the world, died for the world, but he did so just one individual at a time. And that's you and that's me. God pursued us. And we see his pursuit in, in just four areas. I want to talk about them real quick this morning. Number one, we see God pursuing man in the creation of man. We saw God pursuing man in the fall of man. We'll go to Genesis chapter 3 in just a little bit and see that. We see God's pursuit in the story of redemption. And then finally, we see God's pursuit of man in the restoration of all times. That is, he wants you and me. He, he wants us to be in fellowship Within him, creator God pursued you and creator God pursued me. So today, as we kind of launch this brand new series called The Gospel Story that we're going to be in for a few weeks, I want to talk about, I want to open up the lens just a little bit at the big picture. I don't want us to be like the story of a guard that I heard just last week. Um, here's what happened. So an uh, employee was leaving his workplace and he was pushing his wheelbarrow. And in this wheelbarrow, he had a little box. And so he came up to the exit gate, and the guard said, what do you have in the box? He said, just a little bit of sawdust. So he said, well, open it up. Let me see it. So he opened up his box, and sure enough, there was just a little bit of sawdust in the box. And the guard said, okay, you can go on. The next day, the same guy's pushing his wheelbarrow out the gate. Had a little box in the wheelbarrow. And the guard stopped him. He said, what do you, what do you have in the box? He goes, I have in the box the same thing I had yesterday. Just a little bit of sawdust. Open it up. Let me see it. So he opened it up, and there was just a little bit of sawdust inside the box. The third day, the guy's leaving work, and he's pushing his wheelbarrow. And he had a little box in his wheelbarrow. And the guard stopped him and said, okay, what do you have in the box? He goes, I have in the box the same thing I had in there the first day and the second day. Just a little bit of sawdust. Open it up. Let me see it. Open it up. And there's just a little bit of sawdust. And so finally the guard says, okay, look, here's the deal. I know you're stealing something. I just don't know what. And uh, so if, if you'll tell me, I promise you, I won't say a word. I won't turn you in. So tell me, what are you stealing? And the employees thought for just a moment. And he said, okay, wheelbarrows. <laughs> so, we need to kind of step back. 
just, just a little bit. So that's what I want us to do for just a few moments as we talk about the God who pursues. Let's take a look at creation of man. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and, and 27. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. I will tell you kind of a recurring thought, a recurring reflection for me. I can't say that it happens every day, but it happens multiple times during the week. I pause and think that the God who created everything is the same God today as he was back then. Think about it for just a moment. The same God who, who led the Israelites out of captivity. That's the same God that is alive today and the same God that pursued you, pursued you and pursued me. And we are created in his image. Your dog was not created in his image. Now I will get in trouble by my sister for saying that. Um, I'm a dog lover. But your cat or your animal was not created in his Your plant was not created in his image. Your favorite tree, nothing was created in his image. You and I were created alone in his image. It only refers to man. And that sets you and me, that sets man above all creation. Man's image is not simply of himself. He also shares the likeness of his creator. Think about that. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and man became a living person. You're created in his image. God pursued you. God wants relationship with you. But I have to ask the question, like, what's, what's going on here? Because God didn't create man out of a void in his life. That's important for us to know. God wasn't missing something in his life, and so he created you and he created me. He didn't create us out of a void in his life. He needs nothing. God was not and does not get lonely, and it's not like God needs our encouragement. Hey, God, good job there. Keep up the great work. Let me just encourage you just a little bit. He needs none of that. We were created, you were created for the pleasure of God. Think about it for just a moment. Each one of us were created for the pleasure of God. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. For the pleasure of God. So what does this mean? Three things. Number one, life has value. If you're sitting here today or you're online and you're listening and you feel like you have no value in life, think about creator God. Think about being created in his image. Every person reflects the image of God, even though it may be flawed. And number three, regardless of what anyone has said, you are not an accident. Not an accident. God created us. God pursued us, and we see it in creation. We see it in the fall of man. You go like, how do we see God's pursuit 
in the fall of man. Let's go back for just a moment. It seems to be in man's nature to turn away from God when we fall into sin, rather turn toward him. And you can see that, can't you, throughout the, the biblical story. It just seems to be our nature that when we sin and we do wrong, we kind of turn away or we have a tendency, humanly speaking, to hide from him. And we see this in the fall of man. After Adam and Eve sinned, they did not run toward God. What did they do? Say it, they hid. They ran away from him. Remember the whole temptation story. You're like, who talks to a serpent? What's going on? On here, But we know how the enemy came along and tempted both Adam and Eve. And we know the result of that. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And they turned away from God. But what do we see here in the story? When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid themselves. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. Like, if we hide in the tree, he won't see us. <laughs> Think about it. Then the Lord God called out to man, where are you? He replied, I, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And while we see man turning away, what do we see? God pursuing man. Man turned away and God pursued. Our story may not be much different. In our state of being lost, we weren't pursuing God. He pursued us. His spirit came alive in us. And because he pursued us in our state of being lost, when we trusted in him, we stepped into a brand new life. Then the Lord God call, called the man, where are you? Where are you? Remember weeks ago, Joseph Gordon was here. You were here. You heard him say this. God never asked a question because he lacks information. It's like, oh no, I lost you. Where are you? He, he doesn't lack information. He knew exactly. God is looking for man's response to his pursuit. Where are you? When we sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that is God pursuing you, letting you know that something needs attention, something is coming between us and God, between the relationship he desires and how we are living, what do we do? And again, I've often said it this way when we're, when we're, we're talking about we're thinking about God and he comes along and, he, and there's conviction, the role of the Holy Spirit, he convicts you. So often our tendency is to turn and run away like we see in this story. And I say it this way, don't let that happen in your life. He's just pointing out something in you or in me that needs attention, something that's coming be, between the relationship that he desires to have with us. So instead of running away like we read in the story here, embrace it and step toward him, not away. This pursuit of God in the opening chapters of the Bible has been called the first missionary effort as creator God sought out his lost creatures. Can you understand the depth of love that's going on here? This is the mission of Jesus. 
We read about in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You were lost, and I was lost. We were running from him, and he pursued us. And when we turned towards him, we entered into a brand new life. What does this mean? Three things. Number one, every person stands as a sinner before God, even the best. Every person. Each and every one of us were born into sin. And we needed to experience a Savior. No matter how good you are, we stand as a sinner before God. Number two, we deserve death and separation because of our sin. That's what we deserve. But number three, we need a solution to this broken relationship. And that leads us to the third um, um, section of how God pursued us. It's a story of redemption. This creation of man, God pursuing us. Creation of man, even in the fall of man. Now, God pursuing, that's the story of redemption. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, we see the story of redemption. That is God seeking to fix what was broken so that you and I, so that man could enjoy fellowship with his creator and live out God's purposes in our life. So it's not just, just so that we can enter into a brand new life. It's so that we can live out our purpose in life. It might be the answer of why when we become a believer, God just doesn't snatch you away into heaven. Wouldn't that be cool? But you are here for a purpose, and so am I. It's part of the story of redemption. The story of redemption is beautifully portrayed in the book of Leviticus. Now, I understand that the book of Leviticus may not be your book of choice for morning devotions. I get that. You know, we read about all the laws, but I just encourage you, um, it's a great book. And I love the book of Leviticus, but it's in the book of Leviticus that we read about the scapegoat. Everybody say scapegoat. It's a term that you hear very often um, when you're going to blame somebody else for something, he or she is the scapegoat. Well, that's in the Bible. Not blaming another person, but an actual goat. Let's talk about it for just a moment. It's a beautiful story of redemption. According to the Old Testament, on the Day of Atonement, a priest would confess all of the sins of the Israelites over the head of a goat and then drive it into the wilderness, symbolically bearing their sins and as a foreshadowing of Christ. It's in the scapegoat that we see the beauty of Christ. Just listen to it from Leviticus chapter 16, verses 21 and 22. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area. And he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Now I want you to think about that for just a moment. Think about the emotion that must have been a part of that moment when the sins of the people were carried away. Just think about it. As the priest would lay the sins of the people on the goat and they were, the goat was sent off and they were gone. And think about the ongoing wait of the coming months. And this thing was repeated over and over. Think about the relief it must have been to see that goat take off and leave and know that your sins were being carried away. 
Jewish tradition even says that the goat was led to a high and rocky place where it would face certain death, making sure the goat would not wander back in the town along with all their sins. Imagine that. All your sins are being carried away and all of a sudden the next day you look back and here it comes. We should be thankful that we no longer need a scapegoat. The story of the scapegoat or the account of the scapegoat points directly to Jesus who took the weight of every sin of every person on his shoulders. Not as a symbolic act that needed to be repeated over and over, but as a literal act of bearing the sin and shame of the entire world once and for all. That's a pretty good place to say amen even if you don't in church. He, he took our sins. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, your sins are forgiven, never to return. And it's the enemy who comes along and tries to bring shame and guilt into your life. Kind of like to remember when you were this way? Remember when you did this? And all you and I need to do is just remember what he did for you and me on the cross. There is no chance that the goat is going to wander back into the camp or town or into your life. Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Can you imagine God getting so frustrated at our sin and our need for a savior that he finally tossed up his hands and said, just forget about it. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. God pursued man at the cost of his son. And I pray that the weight of that, the realization of that, settles deep in our heart. What does it mean? Three things. Number one, we have a savior, one who loves us and gave his life for us. God pursued you. Number two, when we trust in him, we are granted brand new life and eternity. The moment that we receive Jesus. And number three, salvation is a gift that cannot be earned. <laughs> you might be in that place and you're doing your very best to live the good life so you can earn your way into heaven. It's not the gospel story. The gospel story says there is nothing that you can do. It's by his grace and his deep love for you and for me. This is a story that you and I have to share. And I understand we go like, well, I don't know how to share the story. I don't know how to tell people. Hang on, because in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about that very thing. Finally, we see God's pursuit of man in the restoration of all things. That is eternity with him. I'd like to take a few moments to have you stand if you would do that, because I want to share some scriptures with you, just a couple of them, and just remind us a little bit about eternity, how it is that we see God's pursuit and his love, his desire to be in relationship with you and me forever. John chapter 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, 
I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. That's a God who pursues. When everything is ready, I'll come get you so that you will always be with me where I am. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Think about it. Do your best. No eye has heard. No eye has seen. No, eye, no ear has heard. No mind has imagined. What's it all mean? Hmm. Creation will be restored to the way God intended it to be. God's promised future is eternity with him. And then eternity is forever. And so my question for you is this. Do you know him? Have you entered into relationship with him? Have you responded to the pursuit of God in your life? Many of us are going to say, yes, I have. Are you committed to sharing that gospel story? I understand that there may be people here today in person or online, and you've never crossed the line of faith. You've never trusted him. You've worked hard. Maybe you thought that was the way to step into a relationship with Jesus. You lived your best life. Maybe this morning would be the morning that you would enter into a brand new story for your life. The gospel story. The one that says God pursued you and that's why you're hearing this today. God loves you so much. He died for you. He died for the whole world, but he did so one person at a time. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And uh, if you've never received Jesus, or, or maybe maybe you've wandered away from, from him, and this is just your way of saying, God, I, I just recommit my life to you. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you pray this from your heart, it doesn't have to be the exact words I'm going to pray. If you pray from your heart, then you will enter into a brand new life with him. And then I'm going to ask you to do one other thing before we sing our, our final song. But would you join me in prayer? Well, Father, I thank you this morning that you pursued us. And we can say it this way, God, you, you chased us down. And when we sense the Holy Spirit nudging us and speaking to us, God, we who responded entered into a brand new life with you. Nothing that we could do on our own. It was all you. That's how much you love us. And so if you're here, you're online, and you've never prayed a prayer that says, Jesus, I trust in you. In simple words, it says, God, I trust in you. I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want to enter into this brand new life, this brand new story that you have for me today. I want to make you Lord of my life. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us or to make us brand new people. So God, we trust in you. We give our life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. If you prayed that prayer um, with me, if you'll text in to this number, the word today, it's on the screen in front of you, 360-209-8040. Today. 
then one of the team members will get back to you because we believe that this is just the first step, right? We're a church that believes in, in disciples, making disciples, and we all, all are a part of that, that process. And we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. If you've been kind of stuck in your life in any way, whatever that might look like, you can text in today to 360-209-8040, and we're going to help one another. Amen. Are you thankful God pursued you? Then you got you to look at the person and say, thank you, God, for pursuing me. Do that right now, and we're going to sing, and we're going to give him thanks and praise. So let's, let's sing together, shall we?